Morning, everyone. It is Tuesday, the 9th of August. Good morning, Marcus. What have you got for us overnight? Uh, good morning, Ben. We've got the Dow Jones pretty quiet. We're up 29, S&P down 0.1, NASDAQ down 0.1, SPY futures down 8, and I think we're up about 8 this morning, despite NAB going down about 4% on its update today. So quiet day, uh, predictably quiet ahead of the US CPI number on Wednesday night. And the interesting thing about that is it could obviously cut both ways, but the odds are that we will see the first peak in headline inflation in the US, thanks to gasoline prices coming off We've already seen the peak in core inflation, but it could be a good number, I think. And the risk, I think, is on the upside for the market from the CPI number. Let's hope so. I'm going on holiday on Thursday. And as I said yesterday, it's the perfect storm. I go on holiday and we've got a large macroeconomic release. Everything's set up for a disaster. So I think the market will do exactly the opposite of what we expect and have a fabulous CPI number. And I will head off to Dubbo on my motorcycle with the market soaring behind me. Otherwise, overnight, a consumer inflation expectations number out of the US saw a significant drop in inflation expectations. So the market is, or not the market, uh, whoever they surveyed is coming around to the idea that inflation is peaking, which might sound silly, but it's good for inflation if people think inflation is peaking because they, they will resist prices being pushed up. And that's what you want to see. Bond yields fell a little bit overnight. Oil price up 2%. Energy sector, the best sector in the US, up 2%. Gold continues to show some small form, up 0.8% overnight. Iron ore price down 1.7%, so some of the oomph gone out of resources this morning, despite the huge injection of interest from the BHP bid for odds minerals yesterday. Otherwise, the US Senate's passing this $430 billion climate bill. That's thought likely to clip earnings in the US a little bit, cause a rush of share buybacks, and be generally good for everything to do with decarbonization, electrification, and solar. Also, worries about tensions in Taiwan continuing to get very dangerous in one of the news wires. Few results still coming out in the US. The meme stocks have gone mad again, seen as a sign that the market is bottoming if all the speculators are coming out to play again. Otherwise, on hold for the CPI number on Wednesday night, Thursday morning our time. Very nice. Thank you, Marcus. Tom? A lot of results starting to roll in today. What have we got happening locally? Thank you, Ben. Well, our market doing better than the SPY futures had indicated, up seven points, holding above 7,000. Financials and utilities, the only sectors in negative territory. NAB down 4%. They posted $1.8 billion third quarter profit. And they did say customers are pretty well positioned to weather the current environment, but obviously not living up to expectations there. The story is obviously going to develop on this, but looking through the results, there didn't seem to be anything terribly wrong. Net interest margins were down a little bit, but cash earnings up 3% is hardly exciting. And I think maybe where the share price fall comes from is that after ANZ's rather positive update, people were probably hoping for something a little bit more exciting from the NAB and they didn't get it. The chart is also ominously, as of today, topped out. Have a look at the chart in the strategy piece today. Not a good look. Thanks, Marcus. Elsewhere, consumer discretionary and property stocks leading the market higher. Most sectors are in positive territory. REA Group up 2%, profit growth of 18%. They did say they expect the market conditions to moderate and the property market to moderate as rates rise, but added there are many supporting factors, so some positives to take away there. And Macquarie is buying the Suez waste management business of French company Viola for $3.5 billion. 
News Corp up 5%, their profit was up 95%, driven by their digital real estate and financial news division. Megaport doing well on results up more than 4%. Tomorrow we have ComputerShare and Commonwealth Bank and weekly consumer confidence suffering last week, Ben. Also got Telstra on Thursday. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Marcus. Leighton, what have you got out of the brokers today? Thank you, Ben. Just having a look at Suncorp today, S-U-N, following their results yesterday. And the broker response has been pretty positive this morning, but a little bit mixed on the outlook. So all the brokers commented that the 10 to 12% margin guidance is conservative. And Credit Suisse says that cash earnings were marginally above consensus and results show growth across the consumer and commercial sectors, as well as New Zealand. So Credit Suisse has lowered its earnings forecast by 2.5% for the next two years. And that's to account for margin pressures, but they've retained an outperform recommendation. The target price comes down to about $13.70, which implies a 23% upside. Morgan's, on the other hand, has lifted its EPS forecast by around 5% for the next couple of years due to gross written premium growth expectations. And they've retained their ad recommendation, and they've also lowered their target price to $13.70. But UBS has a buy recommendation and a target price increase up to $14.80, which implies a 33% upside. Other than that, there wasn't actually too much out this morning, but there was an upgrade on Redbubble, that's R-B-L, who were buy at UBS, but I won't steal Tom's thunder because I believe he's got an idea on that today. Thank you, Ben. Good stuff. Thank you, Leighton. Uh, no Henry this morning. He's off doing a podcast that I'm sure we'll hear about in the coming days, so I won't steal his thunder there. But in Henry's take, we've got another positive day yesterday for the small cap portfolio. Henry's still talking lithium as the place to be. The Biden inflation busting bill only helping the sector. He's got to look at the next four stocks in his portfolio with CXL Calix. The only one needing consideration, so check that out if you're interested in Calix. Uh, He's also got a look at the US recession and the W-shaped recovery that was seen in the 80s during that recession, what that might mean now, and an interesting conundrum out of his night of educating kids with Telstra on a P of 24. Does it deserve to be rated as such? He's had it as a sell on Ausbiz yesterday. So a little look at Telstra there too. Lots in Henry's take as there tends to be. And in our ideas section today, Tom, as mentioned, you've got a look at Redbubble. I do. Thank you, Ben. Redbubble, as we all know, was a pandemic beneficiary up more than 1,200% from March 2020 to January 2021. Since then, it's off more than 80%. Results are on August 17. Third quarter performance was in line with expectations, so it appears to be on track to reach full-year guidance. Revenue expected to be slightly below FY21, and EBITDA margin expected to be negative to low single digits. So the takeaway is that it doesn't have to be a good result. It only needs to be better than expected, which, as the guidance suggests, isn't asking for much. The share price is trending up into results and has bottomed, and we have seen a lot of the top investors increasing their interest in the company. So a couple of good indicators leading into results, Ben. Very nice. Thank you, Tom. Also in the ideas section today, I've put in a quick look at what the numbers are expected to look like from CBA tomorrow, just to give us an idea of what to expect. And then a reference point for when they do come out to see if we're uh, taking them as good or bad. So check that out if you're interested there. 
Other than that, Marcus, what have you got in strategy? Yes, quite a lot in strategy today. Uh, have a quick read yourselves. Hoping we've seen the bottom settings at the moment. CPI number, obviously, the next milestone on Wednesday night could cut both ways, hoping it cuts the right way for us. And we see a low number of peak in inflation and we stop worrying about interest rates, stop worrying about recession and the market gets on with its recent bounce and that the uh, bounce isn't a relief rally so much as a bottom. We will see. Otherwise, a quick comment on NAB and noting that the chart has just turned rather nastily over the top today. And in the ideas portfolio, the main issue yesterday, of course, was BHP bidding for Oz Minerals were up 36% in 12 days on Oz Minerals, which is great. But it's a question of what we do from here, of course. And I've collected all the headlines on the BHP bid. And the basic message is that there are plenty of other potential bidders, including Glencore, Anglo-American, Rio, Tech Resources. There's also the suggestion that BHP has already factored in that they will get rejected and has got another 20-25% in the pipeline to up the bid. That They will have a three in front of it at the moment. The bid is $25, uh, well below the $29 the share price hit in January. So $30 might be the eventual price. And on top of all that, this has lit a fire, this move in from BHP into copper and nickel into battery metals has lit a fire in the newswires under copper in particular. Uh, Copper stocks have fallen 30%, as has the share price since early March. Very tight metal supply, higher than it's been for two years. Talk of Chinese pumping stimulus into the economy, launching metals intensive infrastructure projects to lift economic growth. Problems with supply from Chile and Peru, where they have got supply pressures and local opposition and rising mining taxes. Anyway, you can see what's going on. Yesterday was a pivotal moment for the resources sector. I am hoping we are holding the OZR ETF in the strategy portfolio, but we added four more resources stocks to the ideas portfolio yesterday. And I'm hoping this is going to run for a while. As the glass goes half full, suddenly all the water starts pouring in. And that's certainly what the vibe in the newswires is doing, talking up battery metals, talking up copper. And you can see that spilling over into lithium stocks as well at the moment as BHP puts its hand up to say the future is in batteries. So running with that. And I've also put in at the bottom of the strategy piece today a chart with no numbers on it asking, would you buy this stock? And have a read of that. Have a look at the chart and decide, would you buy that stock? And there is an interesting principle coming out of this little section today about how some investors, and this came up in our education seminar, about how some investors get trapped doing whatever they usually do, which is usually a 20-stock portfolio, either because that's what they've been told to do, that's what they think is sensible to do, that's what they've always done. But in fact, if you got to know one stock particularly well, you could probably do a heck of a lot better. So find out what that stock is and what that chart is. And I've put that in the Facebook discussion group today. And just have a think about whether what you're doing at the moment is the best way to be doing things and whether perhaps there isn't a better way. Very good. Thank you, Marcus. And kind of staying on the same track there, our question today is, what is a stock that won't be listed in its current form in five years' time? Leighton. Well, I think my one's quite obvious given the recent news, but Oz Minerals, OZL, I think they're going to get an offer that's too good to refuse. Thank you for the low-hanging fruit, Tom. (laughs) 
I've got a question for you guys first. What does Sydney Airport, Osnet Services, TPG Telecom, Vocus Group and Spark Infrastructure all have in common? They are very boring. They're all very boring and they've all been taken over in the last five years. So there are only three remaining infrastructure companies listed on the ASX after that. Atlas Arteria, Transurban and Gas Pipeline Operator, APA Group. So I would have to say one of those and my tip would be APA Group right for the picking. We just saw Macquarie snapping up some more infrastructure around the world. So who knows, there might be a consortium that comes along and buys them up. Do you know why Canadian pension funds seem to buy all our utility companies? No. Because Canadian pension funds issue 30-year annuities to their investors. So when people retire, they say, give us your money and we'll give you you a 30-year annuity income. And the problem they have is that they have to base those annuities on an asset that's going to last 30 years and pay regularly. And the only assets that tend to do that are utility companies, infrastructure companies. For instance, Transurban has a, what, 33-year lease on some of the roads around Melbourne. And so they have certainty of income so they can continue to offer these 30-year annuities, which they couldn't do if they were trading BHP. So these big Canadian pension funds come over here looking for that sort of certainty. That's why those companies disappear. And I think you're probably right. You will probably find they all get quietly chewed up. Very interesting. And Marcus, while you're there, what's your pick? I think the whole buy now, pay later complex will disappear. The artist formerly known as Afterpay Block or SQ2 uh, will be a pale, forgotten, faded memory. Their main business is no longer buy now, pay later though. I know, it's that cash stuff. But I think if if you look how many tiddlers there are in the Mm. buy now, pay later space in Australia, they all have to go. There's no room. You need critical mass. And not all but a lot of them uh, were fad listings. A moment in time. Very nice. And I'm going to say Lark Distillery because there is only a few really big players in the liquor space globally and everything that is of any quality tends to get bought up and they've been smashed after they had their controversy with the CEO and whatnot. So they seem to be ripe for the picking, I think. That would be my pick. There we go. Pretty good. Thanks, guys. See you tomorrow. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you.